Good morning. Welcome to worship this morning. I am up here to do some announcements, but let's begin with the peace of Christ be with you. Thanks be to God. I have some announcements uh, to share with you that um, there are lots of announcements in the bulletin, so I invite you to take a look at those and see about the things that are coming up in the next few weeks that might interest you. Um, it's helpful for those of you who typically attend at 11 o'clock. We'll go back to regular uh, worship hours um, the Sunday after Labor Day. So between now and then, one of the things that we will be doing is celebrating um, the life of Richard Long. That will be next Saturday at 11 o'clock in the morning. And then later in September, on the 23rd of September, we will be celebrating um, Betty Geminder's life um, at 11 o'clock on Friday afternoon, or Friday morning, with a reception to follow. And then on Saturday, uh, Marge Wurtenberger's um, celebration of life will be also at, that be later in the afternoon at 1, 1 o'clock in the afternoon with a reception to follow. So speaking of receptions, um, Luann Banas is uh, doing our funeral reception. She's, um, after COVID, coming back to do those luncheons or um, cookies and things like that. And I have two uh, clipboards. And these are, this, these clipboards are for people that are willing to help in some way anyway. Um, like maybe cookies, maybe green bean casserole, whatever it is, um, then you, she's collecting a new list so that she knows who is willing to help in whatever way people can, given what their life is like. So I'm gonna send these along, just pass them along if you can't help, and don't worry, that's not somebody's lunch on that one. I'm not sure what happened. Um, I said last night I made chocolate cupcakes yesterday, and, but it's not my chocolate on that sign-up sheet. Um, as I said, the rest of the announcements are in the bulletin. Is there anything else that's... Yes. Scott? Pastor Scott? Louie? Sandy, raise your hand. That's Sandy. And 2 o'clock tomorrow, um, here at the church to go unload a house. Uh, some furniture and bring it back here if you're available. Thank you. Anything else? All right, then let's get this music started. 
Good morning, everyone. And good morning to everyone online. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And through our music, we have an opportunity to celebrate the love that God has for us, the love that we have for God, and the love that we have for each other. So I'm going to invite you to stand for our opening songs, Evidence, and Shall We Gather at the River. See 
church. <laughs> Morning to everyone who is gathered here and all of you who are gathered with us online as well. This is week four of our series called Quest, The Awakened Traveler. And we have talked about what it means to leave home. We've talked about exploring and encountering other people. And today we're talking about what it means when you return home, what it means to be an awakened traveler, to develop the traveler's mindset, and how it impacts you when you get back home. So with that on your minds, let us say this opening prayer together as we come into this particular part of our worship. Sojourning God, your spirit exists everywhere, on every path, inviting us to move with curiosity and compassion toward each other. May we see that our home paths are the unfamiliar paths for someone else with renewed compassion. Open our hearts for hospitality so that in our welcoming, we will grow together in peace, expand our chances for love, and deepen understanding right where we are. Nudge and guide us, we pray. Amen. These last couple of weeks, you've probably noticed that our church was decorated for Vacation Bible School, and some of the things that happen when Vacation Bible School ends is then, wait, you see things that were maybe there before, but you don't remember. And Mission Alley out there has been um, reestablished, and you can see out there, there's angel wings, there's support for veterans, there's... is. Operation Christmas Child's out there, so please make sure you take some time to visit um, our wonderful Mission Alley out there, and it just keeps going right down into the Fellowship Hall. So, having said that, I'd like to, as our finance team is working through um, trying to be missionaries and trying to be evangelists through this season of life and church, I want to invite Amy Folby up to have a word. I do. I've got it all. 
it on? It's on. Good morning, everybody. Good to see everybody here. Um, my name is Amy Folby. For those of you who don't know me, I am, I've been a member of this church for 25 years or so. Um, I am the finance secretary, and I've been doing, I've been on the finance team for probably 20 years. So it's been a long time. It's a my ministry, and uh, I, I enjoy that ministry. If anybody's ever interested in helping us out, let me know. So my um, topic today is why it's important to give, and it's, it's kind of an awkward topic. It's a little bit difficult to talk about, and I thought about what I was going to say, and I thought, well, I, I think I'm just going to tell everybody if they don't give the ch- to the church, we're all going to hell. But I thought, no, that's a little too harsh. Don't go there. Don't scare anybody. Um, make, it, make it nice. Um, <laughs> so, um, and I don't believe that anyway. So um, this is what I came up with instead. Um, I'm guessing many of you, most of you, have a mortgage or maybe a home equity loan. It's um, something that we dread every month to pay. Um, but we have that, and along with our mortgage, um, hand-in-hand, our, our utility bills. Everybody has those, and we keep up with those bills. And um, not, not a fun monthly thing, but we do it. And in a number of years, we pay it off, and we go out and celebrate that we now own our home. Um, that's at least the, the path that we, we like to take, we think we're going to take. So if you're like me, you, you probably don't think about another mortgage that all of us own and contribute to, and that is Pendleton Center's mortgage. Did you know that our mortgage payment is $6,500 a month? It's high. And currently, our monthly utility bills, which include the heat, water, electricity, Internet, they're roughly thirty, sorry, three thousand one hundred and eighty-four dollars a month, and they they are going up. We um we got a word that next year they're going to be bumped up quite a bit. So, just our mortgage and utility bills alone are costing this church ten thousand dollars a month, um, and our budget is seven more than seven times that. And the mortgage, of course. Um, and the utility bills don't even include our ministries, our, our salaries, our staff, um, our cleaning services. Um, so you know that we have some high expenses in this church. Um, so uh, your, your house and your home may be the most single thing that you own. You clean it, hopefully. You make repairs, you make improvements, you update it. Maybe you even add on an addition, porch, patio, and you pay that monthly mortgage bill. You make it the best you can make it because it's your place, your respite, it's your safety, your personal sanctuary. It defines who you are. This church, this church, your church, our church, is actually God's house. And it is equally, maybe even more important than your own house. Pendleton Church, God's house, defines who we are here as a church. We pay that monthly mortgage and utility bills. We do make repairs. Thank you to our trustees. Appreciate those guys. 
Um, we update it. We've added a number of additions over the years. We're proud to showcase this building and our commitment to keep it, keep it updated. We honor God's house by keeping it beautiful and sharing it with anyone and everyone who enters its doors. It is the building that makes the first impression to a newcomer or guest as they walk into it. So when we have new people that walk in that front door over there, the first thing they see is this beautiful building. And it's, it's, we, we take pride in, in the cleanliness and the upkeep of it. Um, word of mouth is a powerful tool. The physical condition of this building is important. If we stopped maintaining it and updating it, it wouldn't take long before it fell into disrepair. Steve Sosnowski talked a couple of weeks ago about our financial gap. Our mortgage and utility bills are significant, and on top of that, the last two years, we faced a lot of challenges. We faced um, some uh, major personnel changes, as everyone knows, and we also faced a COVID shutdown, and that resulted in additional hardships and shortfalls financially. Um, so we, we are facing a gap, and we are um, looking, you know, at some, some rough times ahead of us here. Um, our church family is generous, and I think that because we're generous, we survived those COVID years. Um, now we need to set our sights on continuing to support our, our building, our ministries, our outreaches, our youth. We need to continue to support God's house. Keep in mind, this is God's house. We are doing it for him. This is, this is what we do for him, to honor him. Don't think that any contribution that you make goes unappreciated or doesn't get put to good use, no matter how small or how large. Thank you. We thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We can't tell you enough how much your contributions are appreciated. Um, I, I watched a video yesterday morning. It was quite an interesting video. It was of a pastor who was talking to his congregation and, and actually chiding his congregation because they hadn't purchased the watch that he wanted six months ago, and he was really laying into them, saying, you didn't give me that watch that I needed. I wanted that watch. What's the matter with you? Um, and I'm not, I'm not asking you to buy me a watch or a bike or a Fitbit or an all-inclusive vacation, although if anybody feels compelled to do that, come and see me after the service. I didn't have any takers yesterday after Saturday's service. Um, I am asking you to continue to financially support our church, our house, God's house, keeping it beautiful, strong, and growing. Next time you go to buy some furniture, change a light bulb, repair that broken door, paint your kitchen, don't forget to think about our church, God's house, and what you may be able to provide to ensure its existence long into the future. Thank you. God bless. where it went. Okay. With that wonderful testimony in mind, let us come before God with our gifts and our offerings.
Lord, for this home, we give you thanks. And for all the hands and feet and prayers and love that it takes, we give you thanks. May we be a blessing and may we be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As we come together to share our hearts with God in prayer, are there uh, things, people that you would like to lift up this morning in prayer? Yes, Carol. So Joe, who's on comfort care in the hospital. Yes, Amy? Amen to that. Yes. Your friend Joanne is having surgery on Wednesday. Yes. Wonderful. Wonderful to have vacation. Thank you. Wow, that's good, on vacation seeing sunrises. <laughs> Tom? Yeah, my uh, father had uh, surgery earlier this week, and things seem to be fine. We're blessing getting back home and be safe. Tom's father had surgery and came through it in good shape. I want to, um, I'll get to you, Becky, just a minute. They, uh, I want us to be mindful this week and last week and next week and the following week that um, students are going back to school, uh, going back to college. Some parents are dropping their kids off for a freshman year in college and taking a deep breath and maybe shedding a tear. I remember also the words, it's time for him to go. Um, <laughs> teachers are wondering what the year will bring and please be praying for them as they go into another year and are praying and hoping for a year that looks something like what they remember um, in teaching. Yes, Becky. I was Wonderful. So your daughter and your daughter's name? Regine. Will be coming to spend some time. Yes, Louis. I just wanted to praise God for seven disciples who were commissioned yesterday into the disciple study course. Um, it was such a blessing to go through this. And it started uh, just as COVID was getting going, and the, the variations that we went through in terms of completing a Bible study was pretty amazing. But uh, these people are so. Wonderful. Any of those disciples here? 
Thank you. Thank you all for giving your time and um, prayers and lots of reading. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Let's pray. Oh Lord, what a blessing it is that you know us. You know the words that we might speak before they move from our lips. You know the love and the worries and some of the brokenness that is in our hearts that we don't speak of. Changes may be afoot for those who are with us in worship, whether here in this sanctuary or watching. And Lord, we want to reach our hearts and our hands and our prayers out to those who are recovering, to those who are facing surgery and treatment, to those who are celebrating new chapters of life. Lord, we pray for our children and our teenagers and our college students as they venture into this coming year. And Lord, may we, like never before, pray for their teachers and the administration, that teachers might be cared for, respected, and honored in their calling to serve you in this way. Heal our hearts, heal our communities, heal our land, that we might be reminded once again who we serve and how we gather to honor you in discipleship, in study, in prayer, in laughter and fun, and in unity in our belief in you, one God, one Savior, and one Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's scripture is from Acts chapter 15, verses 1 through 11, and John chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way. And as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders, to whom they reported everything God had done through them. 
Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No. We believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. So would you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious and loving God, we are grateful for this moment. And as we come before you today, Lord, with our hearts open, we feel your spirit moving among us, gently yet powerfully. And Lord, as we have come with our hearts open and we have prayed and we have sung your praises and we have heard your word, give us what you know we need. Plant that seed in us that will grow and bear fruit for the honor and the glory of your name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. So you heard me say during our greeting time 
that we are in week four of a series called Quest, The Awakened Traveler. And if you are a person who is struggling a little bit with leaving your comfort zone, then this one is for you. Now, I want to start this by talking about this rather ordinary water bottle. Now, there's a story behind why this has a little meaning for me. First, this has my happy place on it. Though I know you can't see it out there, but it's a little Outer Banks uh, water bottle. And it's, we go on vacation in the Outer Banks every year, my family and I. We've been going there now for 24 years. And the reason why this is a thing is you need to know a little backstory. I have this vague recollection from when I was about five years old of going to the beach for the first time. And I hated it. I absolutely, utterly hated it. Now, from what I can remember, because I don't have this as a burned-in-my-memory story with a lot of detail, but some stuff is pretty clear. I remember this being a really hot, unbroken sun kind of a day. I also remember that this was kind of a pond-lake situation, and the sand was really gritty and kind of rocky. And here's the piece that I remember the most is a lot of that sand seemed to make it home with me. And <laughs> made it home with me in places where you don't like to keep sand. <laughs> and I have this burned into my memory, and for the longest time, I really hated going to the beach. Which is why one of my best friends, when she called my wife and I, and says, you guys should think about going on vacation with us. Okay. Where are we talking? And she said the name of the town. And I said, well, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to go to the beach. <laughs> and I had to think about it. <laughs> there, was, there was some hesitancy there for a pretty long time. But the key thing is that you had to decide, well, we're going to have to give this a try. We're going to have to leave the comfort zone a little bit. That the story that had been burned into my head needs to be given another shot. We've got to try this again. And as I said, we've been going there pretty much ever since. And now I'm pretty much a beach guy. I love going. And somebody asked me after service last night, I said, well, what changed? What was different? You know, I don't have a really deep answer for that. I think part of it is being a little older when we went this time. And no small part of it is discovering the importance of taking that shower when you leave the beach. So that sand doesn't follow you home the same way. <laughs> I think that made a huge difference. But here's the thing, though. If you're not willing to take those steps, think about what you miss. Think about what you miss if you're not willing to give things that step, if you're not willing to take that chance. And as I said, this is a little silly thing that I brought back with me a few years ago. And that's really the point of today's message is why do we try in the first place? Why do we travel? And one of the reasons that we travel is that when we go and we bring things back from that experience, we are fundamentally changed. Now, of course, this water bottle doesn't fundamentally change me, but the thing is, when you think about all the stuff that you've brought home from your various trips, it's not those things, but why do we bring those things home, right? We bring them back because they remind us of those experiences. 
They tell the stories, even when we just let our eyes land on them for a few seconds. They take us back to that experience. And that's important for us. We are fundamentally changed when we take those trips. And we hear that today, and we hear why that's so important in the story that Sandy read for us. Now, we're reading a really important moment in church history. The passage out of Acts is called the Jerusalem Council. This is a big moment in the life of the church. And it's laid out pretty clearly. It doesn't take a whole lot of deep interpretation here. That as the young church is forming and we're starting to see communities of faith happening in different spots across the country, that there's this town in Antioch named Antioch. And in that town, some preachers had come to town in the name of Jesus and had started to tell the new followers who were not raised in the temple and did not have Jewish background that if you want to follow Jesus, well, you need to keep some Jewish tradition like he did. In other words, you need to be circumcised according to the law of Moses. Y'all heard that in the passage. And that's just one expression of the things we're talking about. Remember, these are really different cultures. Folks didn't have the same dietary restrictions. Folks thought differently about sex and fornication. Folks did different things with their religious experiences than folks did in the temple, in temple worship. And so we're dealing with folks who have a really different way of looking at this. And so some of these preachers in the name of Jesus are saying, well... If you want to follow this, if you want to be like us, well, you got to do these things. And you heard in the passage, it says, well, Paul and Barnabas got into pretty heavy debate with the folks who were teaching that because they had had a different experience. And this becomes pretty significant because as the church is growing, they're going to keep encountering folks who have these issues. They're going to keep encountering this problem. And so they pull together the team. Everybody needs to go to Jerusalem, and we got to figure this out. And so Paul and Barnabas head on up the way. And on the way, they stop in some other places. And so everybody is reconvened. Everybody gets back together. And the person I really want us to focus on in this story is Peter. Because you heard Sandy in there tell us a little bit about what Peter had to say. Now, most of us remember that Peter had been uniquely commissioned by Jesus for leadership. Singled him out. Singled him out a couple of times. Said, this is the rock on which I'm going to build my church. And then, at the end of John, says, you are going to follow me. He was the one. And so, we get into the story. And I'm going to start at verse 7. It says, After much debate, Peter stood and addressed them. Fellow believers, you know that early on God chose me from among you as the one whom the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and come to believe. God, who knows people's deepest thoughts and desires, confirmed this by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them but purified their deepest thoughts and desires through faith. I want us to hold there for a minute. 
So Peter standing up and talking to everybody is a big deal because he's Peter and everybody knows that. But what we don't get in this story is what happens before it. Because Peter has left Jerusalem for a while. And when he was away, he had an encounter, kind of like Paul had. Because he encountered some folk who weren't raised Jewish. He also had a vision given to him by God. That said, what I have called clean, you can't call unclean. And Peter says, I get it now. That you're not drawing these lines the same way that we've been drawing these lines. And when he goes back to Jerusalem, he gives this testimony. Later on in the passage, Paul stands up. Because Paul has been doing this uniquely like everybody. He gets sent and he's out there all the time. And he comes back and he's stopped in some other cities. And he's seen what's happened to people. He's seen God at work. He's seen God move. And so he too stands up and says, this is not right. We cannot do this and make people think that they have to be Jewish in order to be Christian. And because of that testimony, James, who is now the leader of the Jerusalem church, stands up and says, well, yeah, this is probably the way we need to go. But I want you to hear something and pay attention to that. It's the people who had taken the journey who were able to bear witness. The people who had left the comfort zone, the people who had left the home base, were the ones who were able to come back and say, God is at work out there and doesn't need our help. And we need to recognize that. And Peter later on says, look, think about what we're doing. You know, we as the nation of Israel, we haven't been so hot at following these rules either. Why are we going to try and make people who did grow up believing this stuff actually try and do the same thing? It's the journey. The experience that happens that fundamentally changed them, and then when they came back, they were in a different place. You follow? And see, and that's what this series is trying to teach us. This idea of being what is called an awakened traveler, someone who understands the importance of the journey itself, is what this is all about. And that's important for us, especially as being disciples called by Jesus. Because it's real easy to get comfortable. And this is one of those times where comfort is really our enemy. Now, it's human nature to want to be comfortable. It's human nature to say, look, I like how this feels. I'm going to stay here. And if you've had a life journey, we talked about this in the first week. If you've had a journey where you've been through some stuff, where the storms have been after you, where you've had to fight through some things, and you've had some disagreements, and it's been tough, and you've had conflict and struggle, and you get to a place, and you can finally exhale. You're like, I like it here. <laughs> I think I'm going to stay. <laughs> Problem is, is that that's not how life works. And see, we make a huge mistake. Because when we hit that comfort spot, 
and we want to stay there, what we've done, church, is we have mistaken comfort for peace. And comfort and peace are not the same thing. What our brains and our souls and our hearts are really looking for is peace. That's very different than comfort. Now, peace is a thing that comes because you are in right relationship with God. Peace is a gift from God. Peace is one of those things that happens because you know that no matter what's happening around you, God is still God. God is with you, and what is ever happening around you can't touch you because of who you are in God. That is peace. That's not comfort. Comfort is This is nice and soft compared to over there that's really hard. And I'm choosing the soft place. As I said, that's human nature. It makes sense. And there's really nothing wrong with seeking comfort. The problem is, is that comfort just isn't the way of things all the time. And when we value comfort more than faithfulness. When we value comfort more than our call, then we end up in that place that says, well, I'm not taking that journey. And all the good things that happen on the journey then don't happen because we've chosen comfort. And that is where we are being nudged. That is where we are being pushed. Because we could miss out on so much. And we can say, yeah, that's great. (laughs) But, you know, here is kind of (laughs) nice. I don't need to go over there because here is pretty cool. But let me tell you again why that's such a big thing. You've heard seen the example with Peter and Paul, how it changed them. And this is Peter and Paul we're talking about. Two heroes of our faith. But all of us have that experience. Anybody who's ever taken a journey knows that it makes a difference for you. We just had a prayer moment where we celebrated. It was like to go somewhere and come back home. We know what that's like. And if you've taken those trips, you know how it affects you too. And think about what happens if you had never done it. how your life would be devoid of some story, how there are lessons you simply wouldn't know, how your perspective would be very, very limited. See, the thing about taking the journey, whether it's a physical journey, whether it's an intellectual journey, whether it's an emotional journey, is two things happen when you do. The first thing that happens is if you travel well and if you travel with the traveler's mindset, what you develop undoubtedly is a much deeper appreciation for God. You develop a deeper appreciation for God because if all you knew was this thing, no matter how nice your house is, if that was the sum total of your world, if you never saw anything else, How would you know about all the different kinds of things God has created? 
how would you know about the human diversity that's out there? How would you know what it's like to experience a sunrise over the ocean? How would you know what it's like to stand at the top of the Grand Canyon or on a mountain? How would you know the simple joy of sitting in a cafe somewhere? What about all the other people you would have never had conversations with or had the opportunity to meet? That's what the journey does for you. And home is comfortable. At least I hope yours is. Everybody doesn't have that luxury. But home is comfortable. But there's something inside of us that knows that there is more to life than just this. There's a part of our souls that keeps kicking up dust that when we stay there too long, it says we need to do something. And I think it's that nudge. That it's that idea that says, come over here and see this. Go over there and do that. Because that's what makes the journey so exciting. That's what keeps us invigorated. And when you can see all the things that God has done just on this little slice of the universe, how incredible that is. It's pretty amazing. Second thing that happens when you travel is when you experience all that beauty that's out there in other places, one of the side effects of that is it actually makes you appreciate home more. Because in many ways, when you see what's out there, you realize there's some stuff that you really just like about home that maybe you don't even appreciate until you get to experience something else. I mentioned this yesterday, and I'm, willing, I'm going to see if it's the same. Now, being from this part of the world, our lovely slice of heaven called Western New York, if you have ever ordered buffalo wings anywhere else in the world, you know that most folk don't get it right. <laughs> That's just one little silly example. And when you come on home, you're like, see, this is the way it's supposed to taste. <laughs> That's just one little silly example. But I want you to think about all the other ways in which seeing somewhere else has made you appreciate what you have at home. And you don't get that lesson. It doesn't become as real until you've had a chance to be away from home. And that's the journey. If you never take the journey, that's not made as real for you. That's why we think there's this, that little part of ourselves, that little part of our souls that says, maybe we need to see something else. Maybe it's time to take a walk. Now, the piece of us that we really have to pay attention to is not just simply that sort of intriguing piece, but we have to remember that on a spiritual level that Jesus tells us something really important. Jesus modeled this and Jesus commands this and Jesus commissions us for this. 
And sometimes we forget that, especially when we start to get a little too comfortable. Now, I'm going to read that passage again, that passage from John 15. Sometimes we blow past something in here that's pretty significant because Jesus says it again in another place much more directly. And there's another piece in this passage that gets much more play, and understandably so, because it's Jesus' command. But I want you to hear this again. And I'm going to read from verse 9 all the way through verse 17, the way Sandy did. I want you to hear it again. My translation is a little different, but hear the words again. And remember, it's Jesus who's talking. As the Father loved me, I too have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy will be in you and your joy will be complete. This is my commandment. Love each other as I have loved you. No one has greater love than to give up one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I don't call you servants any longer because servants don't know what their master is doing. Instead, I call you friends because everything I heard from my father I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you could go and produce fruit and so that your fruit could last. As a result, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. I give you these commandments so that you can love each other. Now, as I said, when you hear that, our hearts, our brains immediately lock on the commandment. And that's a good thing. That's a right thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But there is something in here that we miss, and it pertains to this idea of why we take the journey. I want you to hear verse 16 again. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you could go and produce fruit and so that your fruit would last. Did you hear that important little word? Two little letters that are really important to all of us. And those two little letters spell go. We forget that part. It's real easy for us to think that, okay, I got it. That Jesus has given me what I need, and I can land in this place, and I'm good now. But what does Jesus tell us? You didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you so that you could go and produce fruit. You heard me say during the first week a line that I learned in the church I grew up in. Quoted it from my pastor at the time, great servant of God. His name was George Fitch. And he used this line, and it has always stayed with me. You cannot stay where you are and go with God at the same time. You cannot stay where you are and go with God at the same time. That means you have to give up a little comfort. You're going to have to take the journey. The thing about taking the journey, 
The thing about going and coming back is to remember that God is with you. That God has commissioned you for this. And remember that Jesus didn't just hang a sign up in Nazareth and say, everybody come see me. He went to the people. He took the journey. And we are called to do the same. If we had to discover who Jesus is by making a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, our faith would be very different, would it not? But what did we see modeled for us? People who were sent. People who were sent into the world. And they shared the love of God with those they encountered. And someone was sent and found you. And did the exact same thing. And now, that call is out there for each and every one of us. To be an awakened traveler. To understand that the journey itself is the thing. That as we go into the world, we get to know God better. We get to see God's creation. We get to encounter God's children and share what God has done. And it makes us who we are called to be. That's the journey. It's up to us to understand that that is the thing itself. To not get so comfortable in one spot that we miss all that God has in store. Say yes. Because when you say yes, not only do you have that great experience out there, but when you come back home, home is better because of who you have become. Remember that. Trust that. And know that God is at work. And now, remember, comfort is not your friend in this. But you will know peace by following your call. You will know peace by taking the journey Jesus has commissioned you for. That's what your heart seeks. So give it to it. Amen and amen. Loving and gracious God, thank you for the gift it is to be able to follow you in the journey. To be able to go with you. To know you more deeply. To know your children. To know your creation and your world. And to be able to celebrate it and to have it impact us and change us. So that when we come home, we are different and new. Lord, we thank you for the gift it is to be able to know you in this way. To not simply stand pat in one spot. But to know with you. To grow with you. To learn new things. Not only in physical travel but to reach out in our hearts, but to stretch our minds, to learn and discover new things that you show us. Lord, let us always be willing to go that we may know you in the way you intend and fulfill the call that you give. In Jesus' most holy name we pray.
Amen. I ask you today, do you want Jesus to walk with you? Then come to the table, for he is here. And we say together, I want Jesus to walk with me. I want Jesus to walk with me. All along my pilgrim journey, Lord, I want Jesus to walk with me. The shore of the Sea of Galilee was the place where Jesus called the disciples away from their familiar lives and roles into an adventure, a journey that would change their lives and change our world forever. After his crucifixion, the disciples returned there to the water to walk by the shore because it was what they knew. But can you imagine? It wasn't ever going to be the same again. And it was there that the resurrected Jesus met them again, and he offered them comfort through what? The hospitality of fish and bread and a time together to eat. And he meets us even now at these waters, and so let us pray. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole hearts and have not loved our neighbors as ourselves through what we have done and left undone. Forgive us when we return to the familiar in fear rather than promise. Forgive us when we turn inward rather than become the hosts you would call us to be. Guide us as we seek to turn around toward greater love. Lead us to travel in your ways. Amen. Know this. Jesus' welcome is always here, is always wherever we are. He stokes the flames of love and invites us to gather around, filling our emptiness, calming our fear, making home for all. He is our constant companion, inviting us to reach out in care to one another, traveling toward the kingdom of love. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory be to God. Amen. The peace of the risen Christ is with you. And also with you. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Lift up the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. O God of grace, it is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you. Your delight filled the skies and the land with colors beyond the spectrum of our knowing. Your playful creating offered up humankind with such diversity we can't even comprehend it. Your breath left waters frothy and lungs exploding with the power of life and prophetic utterances. And yet we back away from the promises, unable to claim your love as ours. But here you are to meet us, to speak to us once again, always faithful, always present in this body at this table and in this body with all of us. 
And so together we proclaim the praise-filled truth of your glory along with all the saints. Holy, holy Lord God of hosts, blessed are they who come in your name. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ. He proclaimed freedom for the bound, justice for the oppressed, and grace for the lost, love for the prodigal. By the power of this message and the surprise of the resurrection in the face of death, the world is immersed again in the baptism of love and redemption through the life and ministry of Jesus Christ so we can imagine and live into a kingdom of love. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took the gift of bread. He gave thanks to God who had given it. He broke it and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this and eat in remembrance of my body which is given for you. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks to God for it and said, Take and drink from this all of you. This we drink remembering the blood of Christ poured out for us for the forgiveness of our sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so we remember and we offer ourselves and we claim a new freedom in this truth. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on all of us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us the vision of your reign realized so that we may be for the world your dream come true. By your Spirit, open us to each other and to the world, making us one in you through Christ in the power of your redeeming grace. Now let us pray the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. well as those who are doing the music.
please come. Um, we will have gluten-free on this station uh, package as well as bread and juice and um, gluten will be over here. Please come.
we can become those awakened travelers with the most perfect travel companion when we allow Jesus to come into our heart. So I'm going to invite you to stand for a closing hymn since Jesus came into my heart. joy to know that you have been chosen. Amen. You hear it in the passage today that you did not choose him. He chose you so that you could go and bear fruit. Take the journey. He goes with you. Trust him to help you along the way. Now in the name of God, our creator and king, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our savior, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, our comforter and our sustainer, May God bless us now as we leave to love and serve God and all God's children. Amen.